So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hello, my friend. Somebody got a whole lot of energy today. Somebody's got a whole lot of energy today. Somebody got a whole lot of energy. And it's not me. You know, for the listeners, it's actually Julie. So, I, we we had to hurry up and hit record because she is absolutely on fire. Now, when I ask this question, it might simmer her down just a tad bit. Jay, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> See that? Look how she came. You got to love it. You got to love it. I'm going to give her a Tony Award for that. She is getting a Tony Award for her episode 36 performance in the year of 2020. And me, I'm good. Um, shout out to our show sponsor, Gusto. We absolutely appreciate them. Just in case you may have missed or fast forwarded through our intro, uh, we just remind each and every one of you to support those that support us. And if you go to gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash, I'm sorry, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. That's short for crazy and the king in case you are running on a different frequency right now. Your listening may not be, you know, at the same cadence and tempo. Gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Three complimentary months once you run your first payroll. So we should do a bit of small talk, but before we do that, Jay, what's going on over in Indiana? We're just getting ready to hunker down for this third wave of COVID, and I bought a treadmill so that I can keep some semblance of sanity, and there we go. How about you? You, th- you know, I'm, I'm smiling. Literally, this is true story. I, I'm smiling because I thought about when we went and we ran back in. When did we run for uh, uh, Ahmad Arbery? Um, was that was that February, uh, March, April, Mar- wow. April? Okay. I think it was April. I think it was April. So this is true story. So. I literally today, as I was uh, putting on my shoes, I thought about when you put up your picture and 
your 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 runtime was probably about four or five minutes faster than mine, if I recall. And and I, you know, as I'm lacing up my shoes, I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to catch Julie's <laughs> time today. But my body said something entirely different. You know, when you take a picture and you look at the picture, you're always a bit more critical. Hopefully you're a bit more critical than other people might be. Now, trust me, Julie, I've seen some folks' pictures on social media and I'm like, they ain't got no good friends because there's no reason. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason why that picture should be up. But I actually put a picture up on Instagram and I looked at the picture and I was like, Torn, we got to drop like 15 pounds before the snow really hits the ground. So I was thinking about you today when I went running. Um, so yeah, I feel good. So let's do a little bit of that small talk. Um, we're less than two weeks out yep. from the election. And I know that inside of a number of workplaces, politics is absolutely happening on Zooms, inside of Slack channels, Basecamp channels, uh, Yammer channels. I, I know that these conversations are taking place. If they're not taking place online, you all are texting one another back and forth. You're inside of your group chats. And quite frankly, you might even be picking up the phone, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly some of you are back in the workplace. And so I know that talking politics is really a challenge. Found an article that I just really wanted to pull a couple of things out because we are just a few weeks away from the, um, the election. I don't want politics to be polarizing. I just want you all, no matter what it is that you you feel believe in, uh, as long as you are able to act, communicate sensibly, my hope is that it's it's not polarizing. And so there were several steps inside of this article, um, which really kind of lays out how how people can maybe ad address politics in the workplace. And, you know, Four steps. Number one, create non-discriminatory policies that apply to all employee groups. I really just wanted to give you the first one. We're not going to worry about two, three, and four, the first one. So if you're going to put a policy out around talking about politics, make sure that it applies to everyone. And Julie, the reason why I'm sharing this is because a couple of months back, Starbucks had made the announcement that you couldn't wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt or pin on your apron. But you could put an LGBTQ button on your apron. That's a problem. You know, if we if we're going to put rules out, we need to make these rules apply well, across the board. We need, so we need, just to, encourage we need to recognize what the difference yeah. is between politics and affinity groups. Um, Black Lives Matter should not be a political statement. Our politicians who are seeking to divide us have made it a political statement. Um, a rainbow flag should not be political. It's someone's identity or a group that they support and should not be political, right? It's, it's the fact that we have allowed our politicians to politicize every act and every decision in our life. Um, that's really hurting advancement of, of diverse conversations in this country. No, you're absolutely right. And again, maybe I put the example in um, poorly timed or poorly explained. You know, the point that I was making is Starbucks took a stand on Black Lives Matter paraphernalia 
which was different than the stand on LGBTQ paraphernalia. And my thing is you you need to have a policy or a position that is equal across the board. And so I'm hoping that if, in fact, your organization is doing something to address the discussions around politics in the workplace, that you are equal across the board, no matter what one's position is. So um, that's that. You know, and and of course, I guess the last thing that I'll say about it, Julie, and and Julie agrees 1000%, get out and vote. Yo, get out and vote, drive some folks to the poll, put your mask on, vote early if you need to vote, just vote, make sure you vote. Don't wait until November 3rd, Um, if you can go early, vote early and pack a lunch. And pack, and you know what, actually, uh, Julie, you raise a good point. Pack a lunch for someone yes. else. Take an umbrella for someone else. Bring a chair for someone else. Because these lines may very much, very well be long on the day of. So be considerate of someone else. That's what this process looks like. Now, if you can't make a, a bologna sandwich, like if you can't make a good bologna sandwich, don't take one for anybody else. I don't, I don't want people to look at you and be like, you know, that sandwich was quite a whack. So, uh, but make sure you vote. Quick PSA. Some of you need to add examples to your company diversity, bullying, and harassment policies. For real. You need to update them. So we thought it fitting to remind you, to encourage you, require even, that you look at continuous learning to definitely be proactive in tackling ageism, classism, and sexism. Did I forget anything, Julie? Race, let's see. Racism, ableism, and homophobia. Oh, ableism. Yes. Yes. Ableism, ageism, classism, racism, sexism. Uh, Now did I forget anything? I don't know what ism that is. Uh, Well, we can do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you see what we're doing, even in doing this work, sometimes we forget to address certain issues and we don't do that, you know, out of spite or, you know, it's less than important. It's just a moving target and it's, it's something that we should always be present about. So that's one of the reasons why we, we stuck the PSA in there. Uh, you got an yeah, email from so Glassdoor. What's up? Story updates. First one is email from Glassdoor asking their users at AKA employees or job seekers to enter in their demographic information, i.e. race, gender, veteran status, LGBTQ status, and disability status. And uh, is that a problem? Well, I, I think that depends on your perception. Um, for me, yeah, it's a problem. Um, one, as we talked about last week, I think that this is a silly diversionary thing that HR and TA people will use to waste time instead of hiring people with disabilities or hiring diverse talent. Um, and I also am very uncomfortable with what it could mean, right? One is how will that information be used to, um, serve suggested job content or company content to a job seeker? Is is there a risk or bias or steering 
um, in the algorithm that's determining those decisions, right? Will they show people who identify as disabled part-time jobs or entry-level jobs? How is that information being kept from decision-making process within the machine learning or the algorithm or whatever? Um, and then the other thing is, is that, you know, Glassdoor is owned by Indeed. Um, and so mm -hmm. we see very commonly that Indeed will buy up a organization and dismantle it and use it for its pieces and parts that it wants to keep or in order to break down competition. And so I was looking at the privacy policy, and it's clear that they can and will show, share your data with their affiliates and those they are contractually bound to, which to me says Indeed. And they also have the option to share that information if you apply for a job. And so, one, it's my decision every time if I want to disclose on an application. Two, how is this going to benefit Indeed when they're trying to create sort of this monopoly on job seekers? And how much more valuable does the database become when that information is available and will be transferred? to indeed upon restructure or upon just regular data sharing agreements. I think it's just another play by indeed to get more data and to become more valuable. And I, I won't have any part of it. So if I understand you correctly, uh, there's two things going on here. Number one, if I'm, if I'm in an employee and I have a profile on Glassdoor and, and I rate crazy in the King organization, you're saying I I will or have received an email saying, Torn, will you please update some of this additional identifying information? That that's so what it, you are it saying, actually correct? Came from Glassdoor. It didn't come from the employer. The employers have the option to add additional information about their population, but this came to me as as a Glassdoor user, and like as an as, as an a Glassdoor user. So yeah. straight from Glassdoor. Okay. Interesting. So Glassdoor is reaching out to all of the people on their site asking for yes. that information. Yes. And, it, and the other thing is, like, if you read the privacy policy up to the part where they get to talk about DNI, it's like, or this demographic information, it, it's all legalese and all this stuff. And then you get to that piece and it's like, we're going to try to protect your data, but we're not going to be perfect. So no one is. It's like really wishy-washy conversationally spoken and that tells me again right there that one they're not taking this data seriously the privacy of this data seriously um because they're not writing it in a way that protects me as a user but just really minimizes their liability if let's say they got ransomware attacked and they that information got hijacked or you know a mazillion things that can happen when you put your information online on top of the fact that they then go and say according to the rest of our policy we'll also use your data that way too and so there's really no protections um with providing this information so then i, I so then the second part that i was going to say is so assuming the um, the email had come from the employer would you feel better about it? No, um, yeah, I would feel better about it. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't update it on Glassdoor. I'd update it in my HRIS system, and then my employer can use aggregate. 
non-personal information if they choose to on their profile, right? That doesn't have anything to do with me personally, but I'm not, I would not be happy if they asked me to update it on Glassdoor. Yeah. So you don't see this as being uh, an added benefit to their announcement a couple of weeks back to do more around no. diversity and inclusion. You don't see no, it I as think an it's added just a benefit. way for okay, you to get it. more of our data. A data grab. Yep. Yeah. Data grab. Another data grab. Interesting. We'll keep our eye on that. And you know what? Offline, you and I talk about that uh, because I got an idea uh, right. as it relates to that. So we'll talk about yeah, that awesome. a little bit later. Cool. Um, and one more email that just actually just hit our inbox a few minutes ago from the Department of Labor. The OFCCP has now put up a landing page for Executive Order one one or 13950, which is the executive order you and I have been talking about for the last couple of weeks on diversity and inclusion training. And yep, which is effective, yep, by the way. I, trust me, I've already been notified by one of our clients that a training I'm giving this month has to fit within that, those parameters. Um, but on top of just a landing page, which is normal for NEO, EO for, for DOL, um, they've also set up a hotline. So if you feel like you've been part of a training that um, doesn't support white madness, you can call and complain now to the OFCCP directly. I mean, what the hell is that? Yeah, that's... Um, that's but see, you know, again, Julie, we 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 made the nod knowing that it was going to get it was going to get dicey. Uh, didn't know that it would be to this degree where we now have our own or they have their own or folks have their own 202 number to reach out to. And I'm certainly not about to give it out now. Um, you know, I guess my thing is, you know, for those of you who are hearing this, you know, and may go out and look at the OFCCP, uh, you know, website or, you know, dig a bit deeper as it relates to the executive order. You know, my hope is that you'll attach to the conversation uh, mentions and reminders for individuals to not be fragile in this work, to not be uh, in their feelings, in their emotions about this work, that you take people. You got to be able to know where folks are coming from so that we can have that honest discussion. I, I mean, there's so much that I read, be it, you know, uh, related to workplaces, companies, uh, happenings here in the U.S., to stuff that's going on over in London, stuff that's happening in India, things that are happening in um, uh, Vietnam. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, not Vietnam, Singapore. I mean, I've been all over the globe this week with infractions around inclusion and representation. And my only ask is, and I'm not just two white men, but in this instance, two white men, don't be fragile. Don't be so quick to become, I guess it's a Ken. We know we have Karens, but don't be so quick to become a Ken in this world of our all trying to make progress towards being better humans. This is some you know, this is some absolute because, you know, Julie, Julie's never told me about a hotline for people with disabilities. And I can tell you 
as sure as I'm black and breathing, there's never been a hotline for black men, black women. So for for, you know, that's that's absolutely insulting. You know, as I talk, as I as I think through it, that is like that is like the biggest slap in the face, um, considering all that it has taken. All that it has taken, all of the loss, all of the Passover for opportunity, all of the exclusion, all of the policy that needed to be passed and legislated, all that it has taken for us to get to where we are right now, we're creating a hotline for white men. Yeah, and it's retaliatory. I mean, it, it is literally saying that if you're basically if you're doing DNI training and it makes a white man uncomfortable, they can complain anonymously through the Department of Labor so that we are retaliating against diversity and inclusion in our company. It is a blatant disregard for what the OFCCP is supposed to stand for. And and you're right, there's no there's no line for women, there's no line for black people, there's no line for veterans come on man like this eo has been out for a month and they've got a okay so not quite well yeah pretty much a month um and they've got a hotline like a 911 hotline yeah yeah and again julie you know some some that are a bit um i don't even know the word phrase i want to use some will say well you all have the eeoc i get it i get it my point is Apples for apples. We do not have a hotline given all that we have experienced. Various underrepresented groups don't have an anonymous hotline. They have to go through a process. Files charges against companies on behalf of white men as well. So they have the EEOC. They have the EEOC as well. You are absolutely right. So. Uh, uh, let's talk about happy news happy news um so on october 21st 2020 uh mark the date pope francis has verbally committed support to lgbtq civil unions um stating in a new documentary he has coming out homosexual people have a right to be in a family they're children of god and have a right to a family if I was good with a keyboard and I was like producing our pod right now would be a place that I would insert some hand claps. Keep going. Nobody should be thrown out or made miserable over it. So this is a huge shift in tone and language from the church with this folk who has been moving the church more progressively forward in its inclusive principles. Yeah. I, I think it's important to know that this isn't, an endorsement or clearance of same-sex marriage within the church. So if you're Catholic or happen to know one, you know how hard it is to get clearance to be married in the church if you're a non-same-sex couple. So he's not going that far, but he is saying that same civil union should be recognized. And if you note in that tone, a right to a family, right? So a a very noted language on approval of same-sex parents to have, or same-sex couples to have the privilege to raise a family, which is huge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, and again, you know, we think about, uh, you, you know, and I don't want to go down uh, a rabbit hole or, or get too far off of the conversation, but when we think about the divorce rates of, you know, heterogeneous um, couples and, you know, just, I, I just think that, I think honestly, if two people love one another and two people feel like they are in a position to raise children, I think they absolutely should have that opportunity. I also think that those two people should be able to be in relationship with one another and it's none of our business. Yeah, That's and, and they should have the same rights and protections offered by the Constitution and the federal government to protect their marriages, right? And so one article I was reading was like, how will this affect LGBTQ rights in the United States? And we don't know the answer to that, right? There is. I was going to say, I was going to, you know, I was going to say, Julie, they, they have that type uh, of reach. The the Catholic church does. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Especially when you have someone who is a staunch Catholic and who has been very anti LGBTQ. In fact, um, Amy Coney Barrett was just revealed today that she worked on, or she was a member of a board for a school that fired LGBTQ teachers and staff. Mm. And we certainly have Justice Alito and Thomas coming out against um, the 2015 decision to guarantee same-sex marriage nationwide, right? Um, and a very important case is coming before the court. I think in November um, about the right of individuals to refuse to serve gay com- gay married couples in terms of who they will allow to adopt or foster a child, which is infuriating, right? And so, with while Catholics are not the majority of Christians in this country, it, we are a large chunk, um, and so as Catholics and the priests move forward, right, then we should see the company or the country continue to become more supportive of same-sex marriages. Interesting. Um, and, and, you know, when you said it that way, I actually heard it the way that I should have processed it in the first place, because, you know, we've certainly had a number of examples where people have stood on their, um, their faith, the Catholicism, they've stood on that as it relates to whether they serve individuals and or a number of other instances from bathrooms to retail and more. So you're absolutely right. I don't I don't know why I didn't connect the two. Um, But go back to that that Amy Coney Barrett piece that you mentioned. Uh, If I heard you correctly, you said that that there is documentation that that she or other staff members fired people because they were out, uh, you know, lesbian, gay, transgender, yes. bi, and, or and other? just like our first lady, or our second lady, Karen Pence, who works at a school that has explicitly in their policy a rule to not hire an individual who identifies as LGBTQ. And because they are church organizations, uh, religious organizations, they are not um, under the same requirements. Wow in terms of affirmative action and non-discriminatory hiring practices as everyone else in the country. Oh, okay. All right. I was just going to ask, you know, how, how you can pull that off. And you know, that is such a slippery slope. Um, 
Yeah, that that that's that's slippery, uh, and and most certainly serves as a, as an indication as to you know how she's going to lean, perhaps while she's sitting on that court. Uh, and you said a case is coming up in in November, so it absolutely gives examples as to where she's. Yeah, landed, well, and and we don't know how the Pope's inference here might shift her thinking. Right, I I, I think that when you are ingrained enough and in imparted enough to sit on a board that approves overt discrimination. I don't know that the Pope is going to change your mind, um, but she is a very staunch Catholic, a very strong practicing Catholic. Um, but we've seen that things in her personal life, including what we talked about with her children last week, do, do not move her in terms of what is appropriate and what is not according to the law. So my guess is she stays staunchly anti-LGBTQ. Um, but we'll have to see. Interesting. Um, so before we get out of here, I want to cover a story and real quick, just want to remind you all that Julie will place the show note links. I'm sorry, links to the show, uh, inside of the episode. She's got some great articles, uh, whether or not she, you know, posts all of them, uh, we'll leave that up to her. She is absolutely the boss on this particular podcast. Uh, and so she's got some great links to to share with you all. CNN, USA Today, and f- even found some stuff over on uh, the pewforum.org. I'm curious, when did you first become a leader in the workplace, Julie? Uh, I don't know, probably 12, 12-ish years ago. Why do you ask? You know, when you, when you had a little bit of juice, when you could... You know, you you could you yeah. could hire and fire some individuals administratively. You were in control. So yeah. 12 years or so ago. Um, got it. So for me in the workplace, it happened. I want to say when I was like 22, 23. And and I, I raise that as an issue because I think back to, you know, my time in corporate America. Now, I've been out since 98, but still. You know, from 22 to 30, I was in a leadership capacity. And I think about my time, especially in the beginning, as a leader and how insensitive I was to people that had children. And I'm insensitive because we're in a sales environment. We have quotas that we have to meet, you know, and it takes, you know, certainly if you have some rocket performers, great. They'll they'll chew up some of that that sales quota that you need to meet. but for the most part, if you got a team of 16 people, you want 16 people right. carrying their weight. And so whenever whenever my people with children would have these instances where they couldn't be at work, I always felt in the beginning a little insensitive, like, you know, well, why don't you have an alternative? You know, what's the plan B? Why haven't you thought about all of that? And so the reason I raise that is because I'm assuming that, you know, when you're ascension in your ascension to leadership, you probably had a different disposition than I may have had in my 20s, probably a bit more responsible and thoughtful in your ability to lead the way that you lead versus the way that I did it in my 20s. Well, unfortunately, we got some issues right now. And inside of workplaces all across the country, there are people that are kind of raising one hand 
in the air and they're saying, you know what? It looks like the folks with children are getting some preferential treatment. Like there's a bit of a rift between the employees with children and without children. More coming from the employees without children. Are you like hearing that, reading that, seeing that? This is the first time I've ever heard this, ever. Yeah. So I found uh, a couple of articles, you know, one initially was on Fast Company magazine. uh, And it says we need to talk about the bias against child free employees, the bias against child free employees. It's dated, you know, October 16. And inside of such, you'll learn that it, it, well, actually, um, it, it says that the question that they raise in that is how are child-free people being included and valued in their workplace? That's a fair question. How are people without children being included and valued in their workplace? And what policies are in place to ensure that their needs are being addressed and met, at least considered? And I had not thought about it in a very long time, like I think about creating benefit packages that are, you know, sensitive to the needs of both the father and the mother. I do it that way. I think about those needs, but I've never thought about, well, it certainly has been a long time, Julie, since I've stopped. Wait a minute. I got to be very honest. Forget a long time. I've never thought about benefits for people without children. I'm going to be very, just 1,000% with our listeners. I've never thought about that audience. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, uh, I, I, okay, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to go with my gut. You, I can apologize you can be later. That. You could be um, that. It, this to me feels like a little bit like a white man's hotline. Like, are we being serious right now? Like, I'm sorry. Every benefit is built for a child-free employee, except for ones that are explicitly built for parents. And having been a single parent, I know what it was like to use every single sick day and every single vacation day and work late and come in early and do all of those things so that I could work and be a parent. So I've had, I, I shared this with a couple of friends and, and friends said to me, every friend that I shared it with was like, Torn, the workplace doesn't care about us as, uh, I mean, and, and gave examples, you know, of how they had to leave, you know, and, and the workplace didn't care. Look, make sure you get your children to daycare on time so you can be here on time. And, and if you got to pay that late fee because you got out of here late, I don't care. That's not our responsibility. So. All of my friends, I shared it with five different people. None of them said that the workplaces that they've ever been cared about them as a parent. In fact, they felt like the workplace really didn't care about yeah. them as a parent. And yet in these stories, Julie, it's counter to what you're saying. You fit in the group of my friends. What these folks are saying in the stories are, well, at five o'clock when Julie and Torin leave to go grab their children, we're still here. I'm or, sorry. Or did when someone, Julie did had to take that. their desk and said, because you don't have a kid, you can't leave at five? I mean, come on. Well, but 
Well, no one's tying them there. But what they're saying is we feel like we're we they feel like they are carrying the brunt of the work. And and this may be a conversation because in none of the stories did I see any distinction between children. What I mean is young children, babies, high school students. You know, I didn't see any distinctions there. It was just kind of grouped and lumped together. People with children all in one group, all of us without children in another. We feel like we are in many ways being ignored. We're working longer, harder. Uh, when they need to take time off, great. They get to skip the meeting because they have some child-related responsibility. We're still on our laptop. We're on our laptop past 5 p.m. We're on our laptop when we get back to our home, our apartment, our condo. We're always working. We we, we don't we we get the same. You know, they get an extra six weeks off when when the baby arrives. We, we get five days a, a year off. In the end, we feel like we're being shorted. Is there something that can be done for us? And so I guess my question to you is, should organizations be looking at that from an inclusion standpoint? So I'm going to say no, but. And I think that, one, this expectation of fairness, again, is is bullshit. You're, You're out of high school. You're not in fifth grade anymore. Life is not fair. So let's start there and know that if you have. They don't have a track called non-mommy track where parents who work just as hard get left behind because they can't go to that social hour, because they can't have that drink after work, because they do have to prioritize and balance their family. So I I think that this is a little bit of a a tantrum without a a need. However, what I do think, and, and actually just had this conversation with my team this week is that we need to focus as organizations on better work-life balance. We now during the pandemic are paying more attention to parents, and that's true, because we know of the extra things that are happening in their life that we can either lose them, right? We saw what, 800,000 women leave in September when school went back into session, or we can work with them to keep the talent in the door and have it at either a slightly lower capacity or at a capacity that delivers in different intervals, right? The second thing is that we need to say, it's okay for you to leave at five o'clock. I don't need you to be a parent to do that. I need you to just get up and leave, right? And not to have a culture that has an expectation that if you don't have a family, that work is going to be your life. And yeah, that's so good. Such a good point. I do it probably at least twice a year. Send out a note to my team this week that I'm noticing I'm getting emails at 3 a.m. I'm getting emails at 11 p.m. I'm getting emails on Saturdays that it's my expectation that they're going to work 40 hours and however that looks for them, right? Because we are virtual. I don't, I don't care when they work. Um, but that if we're pulling these 40 you know, plus hour weeks, 50 hour weeks, 60 hour weeks, that we're not taking good care of ourselves. And we need to focus on the long game, which has a good balance. And I think that's really what we're talking about here is 
non-child or child-free employees seeing that companies are recognizing that requirement for more balance because parents are teaching their kids at home, blah, 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 and they want to keep people in the workplace. Well, non-parents also deserve the ability to have work-life balance. And that I agree 100% with. I, I think that it's counterproductive and counterintuitive to pit parents who are largely, especially women, punished for taking care of their children by saying that it's unfair and they're getting all of this extra. Like, I, I just think that's a little asinine and not really going to work in anyone's favor. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I think you've landed exactly where I'd love to see us land in this particular pod. While I do agree that we should be thinking about creating dynamic, um, you know, benefit options for all of our workforce, where we should be considerate, uh, expansive in our thinking, creative in our offering. I absolutely believe that we should be doing that. But that reality of the scenario is that a parent is different than a person who's single. And you raise some very good points, whether it be around the happy hour, whether it be around the team building events and people being able to participate in those and not. And when you wrap that ribbon of fragility around it, I absolutely agree with you. And so I think that we've landed in a very, very good place. Try to be sensitive in how you lead, how you develop inside of your organization and refrain from pitting audiences against one another. It's not healthy for anyone. And so I think a lot of these these conversations, if in fact I was, even though in a New York Times article, Julie, it says that 71% of adults are living without children, I believe that the people raising this issue, don't quote me, it's just my opinion, but I believe the people that are raising this issue are more than likely individuals that are under yeah. 30 people that are 35, 40, even without children, I think they tend to understand, listen, it's a different world raising children versus not. And, you know, if I got to pick up a bit of slack for you, so be it. And quite frankly, I don't think many of us, many of us, for the most part, are even having a person pick up slack. What I think happens is that even, even if we have to go to the recital, the lacrosse game or some other event, even if we have to tend to their illness, we find time to get on our computers at that 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I think we are doing that. So I really believe the way that you ended it is perfect. Do not pit one another against uh, the other and to find a way to lead differently and better uh, as, that, uh, as you pursue some degree of work-life balance. Perfect, perfect, perfect way for us to end out on that story. We'll include the links, Fast Company and New York Times. If you're not a subscriber of New York Times, uh, you'll probably have to subscribe, I think, um, or maybe they give you a couple of limited uh, reads throughout the month, but nonetheless, we'll put the links uh, up. You I got do, a name drop? And my name drop is to Jack Bradley Cheeseman, the, woo, 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 the newest woo! member of the Skill Scout family and son of their president CEO, Abby Cheeseman. Congratulations to the Cheeseman family. You know, I was teasing them. Yeah, man, I was teasing them because shout out to you, Abby. I was teasing Elena and Abby. I shot them an email a couple of weeks ago and 
and I didn't correct them. But what I did was, you know how they always say that the partner gains weight along with the mommy. Um, uh, so I asked, I asked if the partner was having or showing any signs of this pregnancy. So Abby responds back to me and she tells me the things that her husband is going through. And I just smiled on my own because I wasn't talking about him. I knew he was, <laughs> I knew he was experiencing some things. I wanted to know if Elena was experiencing some things. So shout out to the entire skill scout team to Abby and to her husband. Beautiful, beautiful baby boy, Mr. Jack Bradley Cheeseman. So you got anything else? I know you're not traveling, so you got anything else? Right now, although if you're going to HR Tech, you'll be able to see Torn and I in a video montage as part of the keynote. So check that out from Job Byte. Ooh, when is that? Do you know? You got the date? I think it's, yeah, I don't. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. I don't have it either. I, I'm in the montage. I just don't have the date. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, good people. Anyway, it's HR Tech. And don't pick up that phone number and dial that 202 OFCCP hotline stuff. Leave that alone. Stop being sensitive in the workplace. In the words of B.B. King, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. Let's grow the audience. Find your voice in the workplace. Catch me on Sirius XM channel 126, 1 p.m. this Sunday. I'm going to have Steve Pemberton, CHRO from Work Human, as my guest. I close by now saying we are ghost. Yeah. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom. But do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.